This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for a worship Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Good morning. The first lesson today is from Isaiah, the 35th chapter. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear, here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunts of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Holy wisdom, holy word. The second lesson is from James. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Holy wisdom, holy word. The Gospel according to Matthew, the 11th chapter. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. 
What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one, who has, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Got to go the long way around to get up here. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. It is also the last of the prophetic books. The Old Testament closes out with Malachi's fiery warning that God is coming. God is coming with a mighty wind and fire to blow away the chaff of the unrighteous and to consume it with fire such that there will not be a stump, a root, the barest branch to give hope. And then he goes silent. And that little bit of space in your Bible between the last page of Malachi and the first page of Matthew marks a period of 500 years. 500 years in which the voice of prophecy falls silent. It is a period marked by great turmoil and disaster and tragedy in the life of God's people. It is the time marked by the defeat of Israel, the destruction of Jerusalem, the burning of the temple, and the dispersion of God's people all across the Middle East. But more important even than those tragedies is what those tragedies represented. The defeat of Israel meant that perhaps they weren't a special people. Perhaps they weren't those destined for God's glory. The destruction of Jerusalem, holy Jerusalem, meant perhaps that Jerusalem wasn't so holy after all. That God's holy city was just one more city in the history of those that have risen and fallen. The burning of the temple, God's own house, 
meant that maybe even God wasn't so special after all. A God who couldn't defend even his own home. What could this God do? And who did that mean they were? They were no longer a people of destiny. They were just one more defeated people. And even when a last sad remnant was able to return to Israel, return to Jerusalem, even when they worked to rebuild the temple, Ezra says that they wept because it was nothing like it was before. Jerusalem lay in ruins around them. They lived in poverty, and the small temple that they were able to reconstruct only reminded them and rubbed it in their faces that their past glory was gone. But over that 500 years, they learned to adjust to the new reality. They learned to adjust to the fact that they were now a subject people whose fortunes rose and fell by the whim of others. They endured one occupying dynasty after another until under Rome they actually prospered quite well. Herod's ambitious building programs brought Jerusalem to a level of magnificence that it had never known before. The temple was rebuilt and was more magnificent than it had ever been before. But through all that, there was the abiding crisis of identity. There was the abiding crisis of faith that continued to wonder just who they were and who God was. How could God have allowed this to happen? And what did that mean? Was God just simply a nice idea? But unable to do anything in reality? That 500 years of silence marked a loss of hope. Hope in God's ability to act in history and to act through them. It is all the more audacious then when now 500 years later John presumes to raise a voice of prophecy. It is a frightening thing to do because prophecy is not the voice of ideas or theory. Prophecy is the immediate voice of that which is happening now. It is the voice of action. It is a voice that draws people's attention and points and says, look, look what is happening. 
And John dares to appropriate those last words of Malachi. He echoes those words in telling the people that there is one coming after me who is coming to baptize you with wind and fire. He is coming to purify God's people. He is coming to change things. He is coming to you. Even now, God is striding across the wilderness, preparing a way for God's holy people to once more resume their way on that path. To once more become partners with God in redemption, in the remaking of the world. But to dare to speak of such action after 500 years is to make oneself vulnerable. Because to speak up in this way is to place your bet. It is to stake your flag and say, yes, this is happening. But this morning... These words from John now come not from the shoulders of his triumphant people, but from a prison cell where once again it must have seemed that hope had abandoned him. That perhaps this last 500 years truly was the way things would always be. And you can hear the heartbreak in his voice when he sends that message to Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Or must we make, wait for another? But the way that Jesus answers him, Jesus doesn't say, John, I promise you, it's just around the corner. He doesn't say that lightning will come down and, and there'll be a column of fire and smoke He doesn't say that the heavens will split open and the angels will descend and God will take mighty vengeance. He simply says, look around you. Tell John what you see happening. The sick are being healed. The deaf are starting to hear. The dead are finding new life. The blind are starting to see. The blind are starting to see. We have a lot in common. Well, Maybe not a lot in common, but we have one big thing in common. 
with those dispirited and hopeless Israelites. We too have been waiting. For us, it's over 2,000 years since Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, leaving behind a promise. And like those Jews before us, we hung on that promise, expecting it to come any day until we grew tired. One day rolls by another and another and another until it seems hard to muster any real hope for anything different. We stopped expecting tomorrow to be any different from today. We lost hope. We learned to live in this place, in this world, in this darkness. Like that people before us, we learned to make the best of exile. We learned to make the best of the reduced circumstances in which we found ourselves. But now, once again, that voice of John comes to us and announces that something not is going to happen, but something is happening. Wake up and look around you. Like before, though, the answer we hear is not horribly spectacular. It doesn't seem to speak of the, of the miraculous or the earth-shattering It speaks of little things. Someone learning to hear. Someone learning to walk. Someone hearing good news when they have gotten used to simply hearing bad. And in the season of waiting, we for a moment arouse from our slumber And we look around us and we see it for a moment. We notice those people who need help and we notice those who are helping them. And we see these little things taking place. We see groups like like bread working tirelessly to try to change the systems that make it so hard to live for those who don't have the resources. We hear about groups like, like Habitat, who in the face of so much homelessness, build one house, and then another, and then another. We hear about groups like Hospet, who recognize that bond of love and companionship that can exist between people and their pets, and recognize how important it is to keep them together. It isn't a big thing, but in it we see something wonderful happening. 
we see ourselves nudging just a little bit closer to that reign of God that we are waiting for. And as we wait for the coming of Christ, we remember that Christ does not come in a flash of glory, but comes in a squalling child. Comes in flesh and bone. Comes as one of us. Such that we can't tell the difference anymore between what we are doing and what God is doing. Between our hands and God's hands. Between the good news that God sends through the prophets and the good news that we speak to each other. And we recognize that that voice of prophecy is sounding once more. Maybe not as stridently as it once did, but it is there if we will hear it. And it speaks of action. It places before us that persistent question that the prophets have always placed before the people. Choose blessing or curse. Choose life or death. The choice is before you now. Choose. Because God would give you life. God will draw you ever onward to that fullness of life that we have named the reign of God. It's happening. And it's now. Amen.